Welcome to this week's edition of Leading the Way, powered by the Institute for Corporate Productivity. Influential people, high-performing organizations, creating a culture of success. And now your hosts, Scott Murray and Angel Carlton. Hello again, everybody. Great to have you along on this Sunday afternoon. Leading the way, we'll be here till uh, about 5 o'clock this afternoon. I'm Scott Murray. And I'm Angel Carlton. And we are delighted to welcome you, as we always are, as we talk about the, the great leaders and the great culture that exists in uh, corporate America, and for that matter, organizations all across this great land that we all call home. And we're really excited about our special guest today, but we'll tell you a little something about him momentarily. But first up, a little something about uh, our good friends at I4CP, the Institute for Corporate Productivity, of which... My co-host is a director. Yes. How am I yes. doing so far? <laughs> Very good. All right. <laughs> right. Take it away. So now a word from our sponsor. Uh, I4CP is the Institute for Corporate Productivity, as Scott just mentioned. Uh, we are a research and advisory firm that discovers next practices in human capital. Our member organizations rely on us to ensure that their efforts will make the greatest impact on the business today and in the future. So through superior research, peer collaborations, tools, data, we provide insights that help organizations better anticipate, adapt, and act in a constantly changing business environment. If you'd like to learn more about I4CP, please visit our website at i4cp.com. Well done. Thank you. Thank you much. And of course, you know about our special guest today. I do. Are you excited? I'm very excited All about right. this. Well, he's only about two fun. feet from you, so you better yeah. be excited. <laughs> America's number one health living and healthy living media expert. Do you know who it is so far? I've got more. World-renowned chiropractor, international best-selling author and speaker, business consultant, and yes, indeed, there is more, President Emeritus of Parker University here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Do you know who it is yet? Yes, I do, but do? our audience might be on, you know, on the well, edge they, of their seats right now, I'm sure. His name is uh, Fabrizio Mancini, but they call him Dr. Fab because he's, he's Dr. Fabulous with all the incredible information that he's going to share with us today. Don't you like that, Dr. Fab? I kind of like that. I think it's very cool. Yeah. I mean, Dr. Scott, what is that? I mean, that, <laughs> that does nothing, you know? But, it uh, works for you, though. <laughs> all right. Well, let me tell you a little something about uh, Dr. Fab, America's number one healthy living media expert, as I mentioned. And, of course, uh, he also happens to be a host of his own uh, popular radio show, Self-Healing with Dr. Fab. He's also the best-selling author of Chicken Soup for the Chiropractic Soul, an internationally acclaimed educator, business leader, speaker, president emeritus, as I mentioned, of Parker University. Parker University, by the way, is a private American nonprofit university that was founded as a college of chiropractic medicine, but it offers undergraduate, graduate, and also doctorate degrees in a number of healthcare-based programs, its campus and its affiliated chiropractic and massage therapy clinics are located in the, the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So uh, that yeah, kind of brings you up to date on that. And I know you've got some cool other information. Uh, I'm a huge fan of chiropractic care. And uh, I'm a big fan of Dr. Fab already. Did you know he has been featured on Dr. Phil, The Doctors, Fox News, CNN, CBS, ABC, NBC, Univision, Telemundo, and so many others. He's uh, and He's world-renowned, as you said. 570 KLIF. Well, uh, leading the way. That That's I right up there. I certainly hope so. <laughs> Absolutely. He's been interviewed in various documentaries and has received honors, including Heroes for Humanity, Humanitarian of the Year, CEO of the Year, and induction into the Wellness Revolutionaries Hall of Fame. How cool. I didn't even know that even existed. Yep. But Dr. Uh, Dr. Fab is also a graduate of the prestigious Institute for Educational Management in the Graduate School of Education at Harvard University. Most recently, 
the president of Mexico named the library Unive? Unive? <laughs> okay. we'll turned on my him. Spanish there. Mexico's new leading university after him. What so, an honor that yeah. is. So, Hello, Dr. Fab. Welcome, How you doing? Dr. Fab. It's so exciting to be here <laughs> with you. And I tell you, I can't wait to have this conversation. Well, oh, tell us, here. first of all, the library. That's kind of cool. Have a, na- a library named after So, So what is it? Unev? Unive? What is it? So the, 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 the pronunciation is Uneve. And it's one okay. of the leading universities in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the prestigious to me, I never thought that at this stage of my life that I would have a library of all things named after. But what I found out is uh, when the president uh, in- inducted it, uh, he said it was the first time that a public building had been named for a non-Mexican or a living person in the country of Mexico. So I was very honored by that. And, um, and you know, to me, the main thing is that a library is a source of knowledge. And as you all know, knowledge is power. So being able to influence the future generations of people in that country is really what warms my heart. Oh, wow. Very good. Now, I've got to ask you, what UNEVE, what does that stand for? So it's the Universidad uh, uh, de Caltepec, which is right there in the in, by Mexico City. I see. Uh, so it's, it's the is the name of the district where it's founded. Very cool, very cool. Uh, well, I tell you what, Doctor Fab, we've uh, shared your bio with our audience here this afternoon. But can you give us a quick overview on what it is that you do, really, on a on a regular basis, day to day? You were a CEO, you you know, you president of the university and those types of things. But now, what it is that you do day to day? I know you've written some books. You got the radio show. What else? Well, I have different things. So you know, the healthy media expert is the main thing. Um, I also mentor uh, twenty millionaires uh, for the last three years that we get together three times a year. And these millionaires, you know, they've achieved financial success, but they're looking for success in all areas of life. Uh, I also consult for different corporations and companies. I have uh, coaching programs in which companies can implement that and help support their employees in order to shift their mindset, but also get them to be more productive. Um, and, uh, and then I do a lot of lecturing. I'm, I'm on the road at least once a week lecturing somewhere in the world. What do you enjoy most about doing that? You know, to me, the lecturing component is the fact that you are you have an audience and you have an interaction with people. I, I don't know all the millions of people that have read my four best-selling books, so I, I don't have the feedback. In an audience, they give you feedback instantly, and you can see transformations right then and then, and that, to me, is my favorite part of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can see the aha moments, and people and just they transform. Tell you. I mean, be- they tell you with yeah. tears. They, they come to you and hug you. They share with yeah. you something that sometimes it humbles you so much because, you know, sometimes we just don't realize what impact we have and, and the extent that impacts their life and the people that surround their lives. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of lectures... We had the chance, Scott and I had the opportunity to attend your incredible workshop, the Fab Life event that took place yesterday at the Four Seasons Hotel. That was so amazing. And talk about transformation. It certainly was transformative. But um, share with our audience a little bit about what you were hoping when you plan these events. What do you want the audience to really take away? Well, the, the main thing is to be able to be honest with themselves. Accept that where I am today does not define me. The circumstances that I face right now does not determine who I am. 
what determines it is how I respond to it. And if you begin to really take more control of your responses, rather than most of us, we spend 90% of our time dealing with the circumstances and sharing how difficult financially we may have, the breakup we just had, you know, how we have a health problem. They dwell on that. And unfortunately, the law of attraction says that what we focus on, we attract. So my job is to get them out of their comfort zone and reshift their focus into what would allow them to have the outcomes they really want. Very cool. Very, Very awesome. Cool. Well, that yeah. certainly was accomplished yesterday. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I tell you what, that seems so common sense to me. Common sense. My parents kind of taught me that. So maybe they were the precursors of Dr. Fab, and I don't know. But they told me, don't dwell on the negative. Get with the positive, move forward. This is what your life's all about. So good for you. I'm, I, I just That, that rings uh, great memories of, of what mom and dad used to tell me. We have a little something we call our lightning round, Dr. Fab, and, and it's five questions that kind of uh, deal with who you are, what you're all about, but they're just fun questions, short little answers is what we're looking for, but they kind of maybe help the audience understand who you are and what you're all about day to day. First one, first job, what'd you learn from it? Oh, that's a great, uh, my first job was actually while I was uh, in high school and I wanted to buy a Mac computer and my parents said that I needed to work for it. So I took a summer job. And what I learned from it is that if you're willing to earn anything, uh, if you're willing to take the time to earn something, you can pretty much have anything you want. I knew how much money I needed to have by the end of the summer to buy that computer to go to college, and that's all I did. I began to earn it, and I even tell my kids today that in life, the day that we wake up thinking that somebody owes us something or somebody's going to do it for us, we're going to be disappointed. But if we have the attitude of wanting to earn it, then, of course, you have the ability to have anything you want in life. So that was my lesson, that if I choose to earn uh, my life, then I can have anything I want. And I did get that computer, and I loved it through college because it, gave me, it helped me get through it. Yeah, great lesson to earn, learn early. Oh, yeah. So what, what kind of work did you do to earn Actually, this money to get that computer? Anything they wanted me to do. The CEO hired me as a summer intern. And I was uh, driving, making deliveries. I was packing uh, computer systems. I was making phone calls. I was filing anything they needed. And uh, let me tell you something. I love that because I had the opportunity to fulfill my goal, and that was to get that computer. And I'm very grateful for that opportunity. Fantastic. Well, the next question in our lightning round here is, who are your top, say, two mentors in life, and how did they influence you? Well, my first uh, mentors, and I would say plural, were my parents. And the reason that I say that is because they instilled in all my four brothers and I a set of values, a value system that allows us to be able to be successful, but also be givers to life rather than takers of life. And then I would say professionally, my mentor in chiropractic was a, a, name, a guy named Dr. James W. Parker, he was the most famous chiropractor in the world. He was the founder of Parker University. And he instilled in me a sense of passion and conviction for my profession. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was a workaholic, so I've learned to have a little bit more balance than that. But when you believe in something, don't let anything stop you from it. And that's what he did and the reason he was so successful. So I would say he was be my most influential professional mentor. Mm, great answers. Yeah, really, mm -hmm. really is. Okay, number three, here you go. What's been the most significant experience or turning point in your professional career in developing your skills in the leader that you've become? 
Well, you know, I was a very successful chiropractor and a healthcare provider here in Dallas, Texas. And at the age of uh, 31, I was asked to be president of Parker University. I thought I was too young. You know, typically a president of a university or college tends to come in your 50s or 60s. Uh, so I said no for almost two years. And then uh, they interviewed me and I had answers. They were going through a very difficult time after the founder passed away. And I, uh, I finally said yes. And I went in there and I was able to turn everything around to the positive. Uh, and I became, for what the media said, the youngest president of a college or university at the time in the United States. And what I learned from that lesson is never think that you don't have what it takes to fulfill an opportunity. If an opportunity comes to you, it only comes to you if you're willing to execute it. The problem is we talk ourselves out of it because we don't think we are capable enough or we have enough skills, knowledge, resources. And the reality is an opportunity never comes your way unless you were meant to be the one to execute it. Mm. Dr. Fab, America's number one healthy living media expert. We're going to be back with more here on Leading the Way right after this brief timeout. Leading the Way. It's about influential leaders and the business practices leading companies use to impact market performance. That's what the Institute for Corporate Productivity, or I4CP, does on a daily basis. We work with leading companies, from Amazon to Boeing, and REI to 3M, to not only discover the best people practices of high-performance organizations, but the next practices, those that will define market leadership in the years ahead. Senior HR, learning, talent, and diversity executives from many of the most respected companies in the world rely on I4CP to ensure that their efforts will make the greatest impact on the business. After all, it's difficult to stay ahead by only looking behind. I4CP's focus on next practices is what today's top companies rely on to lead the way. I4CP, Institute for Corporate Productivity, leading the way every single day. And now back to Leading the Way, powered by the Institute for Corporate Productivity. Here's Scott Murray and Angel Carlton. Welcome back as we continue our conversation. Scott Murray along with Angel Carlton and uh, Dr. Fab, America's number one healthy living media expert as we continue our uh, lightning round. Take it away, Angel. All right. So you talk about being a young CEO. How would you, uh, what kind of advice would you give the next generation, somebody stepping into your shoes maybe? Well, I believe that uh, the next generation is really one that needs to be proactive rather than reactive. Uh, we're living unprecedented times right now, but also I've never seen as much opportunity today in the uh, that I've seen in the last 30 or 40 years. So if you right now somebody that feels that you have the capabilities of making great contributions, uh, you know, don't doubt yourself. Just act on it, move forward, and then allow yourself to go through that journey. And, and the most important thing is enjoy the journey. Don't be so caught up as to the destination, but make every moment count, make every day count, and you'll find yourself having a very fulfilling and rewarding life. Sounds like a deal. Mm -hmm. And I'm in, inclined to agree with you. I think that's true. <laughs> there are incredible opportunities out there with technology and what goes on in this world. Every day, it's something new that we hear about. It really is, is kind of neat to be a part of it. Last question in the lightning round, uh, Dr. Fab. How would you define your legacy? What comes to mind? Well, you know, it's interesting. On Father's Day, I said that my children were my legacy because I think being a parent is an honor, it's a privilege, and you invest in your children, and they're the ones that hopefully will keep it from generations to generations. From a professional perspective, I would say 
the fact that I make great contributions in every area that I impacted. Uh, and whether it's healthcare, whether it's personal development, uh, or whether it's uh, fulfilling your dreams, uh, I believe that people will one day say, you know what, he impacted my life like no one else did. And all I did was pretty much share all the downs and all the valleys that I've lived myself and how I picked myself up and kept going because that's really what life is about. You know, you don't become successful overnight. You become successful by picking yourself up and dealing with all the mistakes you make and all the challenges you face and realizing that you have a lot more to offer than what your circumstances are facing you right now dictate. Great point. Mm -hmm. Great point. Well, I tell you what, Angel, are you ready? We'll uh, we'll get underway with our questions here for uh, the good Dr. Fab. Let's start out with uh, with this. We, we we certainly want to hear about all the fascinating things that you're developing with uh, people personally and professionally. Uh, but you're all about making the self within each of us more positive and productive, I think is a good way to put it. Yes, would you agree? Yes. Okay, so now here on Leading the Way, we normally focus on leadership on this program, among other things. So we'd like to hear some of your perspectives from a business standpoint. When you talk about leadership and of course, as the former president of Parker University, you've experienced what it's like to, to really be that that true leader. So in your opinion, what are the basic principles that make a, a successful CEO? Well, I'm, I, I, built, I boiled it down over the last 30 years to five things and I'm going to go kind of quickly with them. The okay. first one is that we must live like today is the last day. Uh, if you live within a 24 hour period, you have what we call a sense of urgency. The number one thing that keeps a, a leader from fulfilling their potential or a CEO is the fact that you wait until tomorrow uh, to do what you need to do today. Uh, you tend to have the expectations that somebody else is going to come and make it happen. But in reality, you have to make it happen. It's your responsibility. So live with a sense of urgency. The second one, and this is a, a very important one, and that is to live on service rather than survival. What we notice today is that most companies are being run in what I call survival mindset. Uh, that means that you're reacting to all the things that are happening in your business rather than being proactive, which means that you get to create the future. And what I notice is if you start thinking about the needs of your clients, the needs of your community, the needs of the world, you live in service. But if you start thinking about the needs that you have in your companies, such as payroll, the needs that you have as far as fulfilling uh, certain positions, that becomes your needs. You'll always live in survival. The second, the third thing is the fact that we need to make sure that we love what we do and we find those out there that are willing to pay for it. You know, one of the things that I find in most leaders and CEOs is the fact that they're not appreciating and loving the experience or the responsibility that I call that they have. So find ways that you can fall in love with your role, with your business. If you are not a product of, uh, or if you're not consuming the product that you're promoting to others, if you're not a client of your own services, we got a problem. You got to find ways to love that. And then of course, always be thinking who can benefit from this. And you'll always have enough clients out there that are willing to pay you for it. The fourth thing, and this is a more personal thing, and that is we need to love ourselves more. So that way we have the ability to love others more and others can love us more. What I find is that most leaders 
do not take care of themselves. Most leaders are not patient with themselves. They're always going home thinking about the one or two things that went wrong rather than the 20 or 30 things that are going amazing in your company. So make sure that your focus is on the positive. Make sure that you're being patient. Make sure that you're nurturing yourself. Make sure that if you're the only person that says, I love you, say it to yourself every morning when you brush your teeth because it's important that you know that you're the driver of the whole experience and the whole business. And lastly, and this is where I spent my last 30 years, we must make health a priority. If you make a physical health as a priority, meaning you, you take care of your body, you watch what you eat, you move your body, you have complementary doctors in addition to your traditional doctors. If you learn to forgive more, be more grateful, or perhaps uh, love yourself a little bit more. If you learn to spend more time in your church, your synagogue, your temple, if you learn to spend more time with nature, if you learn to meditate and pray, those are things that keep you healthy. And if you look at your body as physical, mental, and spiritual, you will always live a very healthy life uh, long term. And that's what I really, if you, if you follow those principles, you will be a successful leader and a successful CEO. Mm-hmm. And a successful human being. Yes, <laughs> Period. of course. <laughs> those, those are some great principles to live by. And you speak a lot of transformation, certainly. Uh, that was the premise of the lecture yesterday. Uh, this is one of my favorite topics. It's the premise of my book. I love the, the topic of transformation. So... In the corporate world, with so many industries undergoing some major uh, changes today uh, and struggling to become more agile and, and adaptive, what advice can you share with business leaders on how to turn a business around when it's maybe going in the opposite direction? <laughs> that That's you a great to go? question. And I think you hit it in the nail is uh, the fact that we have to embrace change rather than resist it. I think it was Spencer Johnson, MD, that wrote a book, Who Moved My Cheese, that really shared that principle better than anyone I've seen of how the cheese, which is your outcome, your payoff, is always there. But it gets moved. And if you don't follow where it is, you may still be waiting for something that's going to come back. But you know, guess what? It's not going to come back because life is constantly changing. The other thing is, and I'll give you this example. When I became president of Parker, they were losing millions of dollars of operational budget every year. They had debt. They had lawsuits. Uh, morale was at the lowest. But let me take the financial perspective. One of the things I did is I met with my CFO, and you know, my business manager said to me, you know, as an institution, we're known for profit. And I said, well, that doesn't make sense to me. You cannot run a business without a profit mentality. So I created in the budget line what we call operational reserve. And I realized that in order to be successful in any business, you have to reinvest your profit into the business to keep the business growing. But this is a problem that we were having. We had almost 400 employees and we really needed about 300 so we had to make some decisions about are there any roles that we needed to evaluate or reevaluate that are not currently needed. Take a look at your uh, demographics. Take a look at your, uh, your uh, positions in your company and make sure that two things. Number one, that you still need that role to make that company grow. And number two, that you have the right person in that role. So what we did is that we interview every employee to ensure that they were in the right seat in that bus. And what we have found is that some of them were miserable. They didn't want to be there. Somebody had promoted them there, but they weren't happy and they weren't being productive. 
The other thing that we found is that we had a budget and we, we realized that most people just added 10% to that budget for the following year, expecting the institution to either cut it a little bit or approve it. So what we did is that we started what we would call a zero budget. That means that I gave everybody the opportunity to say, if you can show us how your activity, the money that you're requesting is going to support the mission of this institution, then I will support it. It doesn't matter if it's double or triple than what you got last year or if you don't need as much as you needed last year. And what we found is that the majority of them were overspending or they were asking for money that they really didn't need because the activities were not supporting the mission. And if your activity does not support your mission, you're going to find yourself out of alignment and probably lost. It was a famous scientist called Pareto that taught us the 80-20 rule in business, that 20% of what we do yields 80% of the results. I want you to make sure that you realize that when you look and evaluate your company that may be going the wrong way, find out what is the 20% that is actually giving the 80% results, discard the other 80%, and only focus on the 20%, and I promise you, you'll turn it around faster than you think. I love that. That's great got about a minute and a half here before we take a break. So let me ask you this, see if we can get this in. One of your topics of uh, expertise, leadership, servant leadership. What are some principles of a servant leader and how would you advise leaders of today to lead their teams? What comes to mind? That's a great. The first principle in leadership that I learned many years ago is lead by example. I think that it was Gandhi that said, be the change you want to see in others. That means that if you are asking your team to behave or to think in a certain way, you better be the example of that every single day, not only in the office, but I'm telling 24-7. The second one is to always put your customers first, your clients first. I find that many times as executives, we keep thinking about our own issues, our own responsibilities, and not sometimes taking uh, into consideration the impact that that's gonna have in our customer and our client. To me, servant means that you're going to be actually helping someone else rather than only helping you in the process. And lastly, make sure that your values are the values that you want to instill in your company. A servant leader is a leader that truly thinks about others before they think of themselves. And I I think it was our friend Sig Ziglar that said, the best way to get what you want out of life is by helping others get what they want out of life. I think a servant leader is the one that focuses the majority of their time in helping others get what they want out of life. Absolutely. Dr. Fab Mancini, he is the former CEO and he's the president emeritus of Parker University. And we are going to be back with uh, lots more here on Leading the Way right after this. What are best practices? Are they what set you apart from your competition? Or are they simply what most companies do to stay in the race? At the Institute for Corporate Productivity, or I4CP, we focus on next practices. And that focus is what today's high-performance organizations rely on to lead the way. Next practices are tactics and strategies that our research has discovered have a great impact on market performance, but that few companies are using. They are what will define market leadership in the years ahead. I4CP helps you see around the curve so your company can adapt and take advantage of emerging trends in the ever-evolving world of human capital. We want, we, want, we want you to lead the way. So join our team. 
I4CP. Institute for Corporate Productivity, leading the way. And now back to Scott Murray and Angel Carlton and Leading the Way, powered by the Institute for Corporate Productivity. Welcome back as we continue on with this Sunday afternoon edition of Leading the Way. Great to have you along. Dr. Fab Mancini is our special guest. Uh, Angel, take it away. Sure. Uh, you mentioned how, how important values are for leaders. Well, we know at I4CP that high-performing organizations have a culture that reflect their value system. The challenge becomes how to attract and acquire talent that aligns with the company's values. And so how do you recommend hiring talent based on values? You know, this is, uh, I've had three different human resource directors and I have learned so much from them. So the basic summary of the lessons are this. Number one is when right now we live in a time that there's a lot of people looking for a job. And one of the biggest struggles for companies is sorting out all the resumes that come in for any one position. And many times uh, you only take the top 10, the top 20, but in reality, you may get 300, 400 resumes. Do you give everyone an opportunity? So my first one is do make the time because you never know which one of that resume may be the right candidate for you. Number two, be very clear as to the skill set from a human resource perspective of what it is that you're looking for in that person. Uh, it's important today to know that skill is very important. Many times we find that we promote based on personality rather than skill, based on the fact that I like them, I like her, they're so nice, they're so sweet, everybody in their team loves them, but in reality, they're getting the job done. So make sure you're very clear what skills you're looking for. And then lastly, and this is for primarily the executive, once we filter them through HR and we knew they had the right skill set and they fit the profile that we were looking for, then the questions, the last uh, round of interviews should be based on their values. Ask them about how they see themselves in the future. Ask them about how they spend their day. What is the three most important things in their life? You know, if all of a sudden they start talking about golf more than family, if they start talking about... Um, trips rather than the company or their employees, then you kind of start seeing are these individuals that have the similar values of the company. And then you can start matching them on a value system. And those are the ones that will last you for a long time. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Makes sense. Well, we talked about uh, the employee experience. Uh, one of the things that we've talked about uh, week after week here on the program and I tell you what, Dr. Fab, it's becoming a, more of a, a focal point for many organizations. We talked about change. You talk about opportunities today. So one thing, though, that I think is, is always there and most important to people, and that's health care benefits. Many times, that's what really keeps people at organizations. So my question is this. What can you tell us about the importance of making health of employees the priority that it's become? Well, this is a very, and you know, we, even when we manage all these businesses, we've tried all types of incentives, different wellness plans. Um, but the one, the bottom line is this, uh, the basic healthcare needs of employees should be covered. And the reason for that is because an employee feels that healthcare costs are getting so out of hand that they may not be able to afford if they ever get into a problem. So we do notice that there's a tremendous loyalty when you do offer some great healthcare benefits. But the most important thing that we found is that over 70% of the sick employees were self-induced. They were not coming in from things out of there. They were 
things like I'm eating terrible every single day. I'm not working out at all. I'm not taking time to rest. I'm overworked. I'm overstressed. So those stress levels get to the point that break the system down. So it's important to develop a culture, what I call a wellness culture, in which you have a healthy employee, body, mind, and spirit. And the best way to do that is to make sure that you have activities throughout the week activities throughout the month that encourage that behavior. And then, of course, try rewards. But what I find the biggest reward is, is when a patient or when an employee starts feeling better, they start liking their work a little bit more. And remember, one of our biggest costs in companies is the absenteeism that we have. People calling in saying, I'm sick, I can't work, or even worse, what the lack of productivity, they show up at work, but they give you only 10% of their abilities. So make sure that you put health as a priority and keep talking about it, acting on it, and most importantly, make it part of your culture. And if mm-hmm. they're liking work, they're liking themselves better too, right? Very much yeah, so. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah. yeah, and they become better workers, more yeah. productive, yeah. become better parents, yeah. become better and everybody benefits. The company oh. benefits. They benefit. Yeah. It's straight across the board. Absolutely. Absolutely. And a lot of companies are doing more for that these days, which uh, that's great uh, to hear. But I want to switch gears a little bit. You've really given us some incredible business advice. Um, I really want to talk more about this fascinating subject of self-healing and the premise of your book. You state on your website Uh, And I quote, your body has a built-in capacity to heal itself, a remarkable system of self-repair that works day in and day out and improving its ability to heal is within your control. Wow. Uh, Can you share with us uh, a little bit about how we can tap into these innate healing powers of ours? Well, you know, the first thing to recognize is that the body that you have right now, no matter how you feel about it, is the only body you're going to have for the rest of your life. So you must take care of it. The second thing is that when you start studying anatomy, physiology, biochemistry, all the sciences of the human body, you begin to appreciate that this body is the greatest miracle that we've ever seen. Uh, This body was still in science trying to figure out how the brain functions. How is it that we can make something move just by thinking about it? My little toe can move. How is it that we can repair tissue and the body is able to heal from things that other people are not able to heal? So in the book, really what I wanted to do is to show people that in the physical level, they needed to just be able to eat better. You know, I have any one day, any one day that if God would have put a flap in our mouth like they did on the gas tank in our car that says use unleaded, <laughs> but he said more veggies, uh, we will put better food into our system. The problem is we get caught up with our foods and it becomes more social. And then, of course, the abuse of drinking and, and recreational drugs, all of those things are impacting the body in a negative way. So take care of your body, move the body, and be able to also pay attention to your feelings. You know, the feelings change the chemistry of your brain. If you want to create hormones that are healthy, you got to be more positive. You got to be more calm. You got to be more relaxed. You got to be more loving. You got to be more joyful. And those are the emotions that sometimes we take for granted. You know, we think that life has to be harsh. We have to But in reality, unless you pace yourself, you're not going to last very much. And lastly, you got to know your purpose. You know, in life, if you don't know what you want to become, 
is very difficult for you to attain it. You're going to end up just like a sailboat that goes out into the lake or into the ocean without any coordinates, become the GPS system of your life. Know exactly what destination, and then the GPS system will allow you to be able to make the turns you need to make in order to get to where you want to get to. But never lose sight of your purpose in life. That's one of the things that I always recommend people. Know who you are and know exactly why you were born. And I hope, I hope, that is to help and contribute to the lives of others. Mm-hmm. So when you're in alignment with all those aspects of your life, your body responds in a healthy way. Anytime that, that I feel that people power? get sick is because they either abuse their body or they're out of alignment with the behaviors and the thinking that allows us to have a healthy human body. Let me ask you this as, as we get ready to wrap things up here, Dr. Fab. Uh, the state of the world is really just uh, the days of being kind and respectful uh, have turned to anger and abuse and, and disrespect and it doesn't matter where you might be in the world it's it's like that and it's not the way that any of us grew up so with that in mind i think we all could use a dose of happiness on a daily basis lots of it so it just seems difficult for some to sustain that happy life with all the change that causes stress day to day so my question is this do you have some advice to share with our audience today maybe the takeaway from this program today here on leading the way on how to attain more happiness in life just i mean that's that's a five-hour show and then some but just a couple of bullet points that that people could take away from the program today and say you know what dr fab said this That's a great question, and I can tell you right now that loving your work is a source of happiness. I think it was psychologist Sigmund Freud that said that loving your work is essential for you to be happy. Uh, I also feel that it's important that you're doing what it is that you want to do. Uh, Make sure that you select how you spend your time. Also, we notice that a source of happiness is our environment. When we surround ourselves with people that are happy, we become happier ourselves. So make sure that if you have any energy drainers out there or people that are bringing you down and depressing you, please remove them from your life or at least limit the time that you spend with them. And lastly, I would say, make sure that you have a purpose that's bigger than you. Make sure that you make life about something bigger than you, and that is the greatest source of happiness. There is no way you can be depressed when you're helping other people. The solution for depression is to help others. So go out there and help somebody that is either at the same state that you are or even worse than you are, and I promise you that you'll be able to feel better immediately. So go help somebody in need, and I promise you happy will follow. Outstanding. Have you had fun today? Yes, I love it. I want to stay here all day. Yeah, <laughs> I, could, I could listen to you all day. Yeah. Angel, you are. closing thought? Anything you want to share? Gosh, you enjoy uh, this? I, I've just, um, I'm, a, I'm a fan. I'm, yeah. I'm just a huge fan. So thank well, this you. Is the, yeah, this is the kind of stuff that we like. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, you know, if we could do anything in the face of this earth, it's do exactly what you're doing. Well, it, it, uh, you know, and I think that's why we've done this show for it's so long. It's fuel for the soul. Yeah, it absolutely you know, and is. And we need that stuff. And, so, and Dr. Fab has been above and messenger. beyond. We can't thank you enough. Dr. Fab Mancini, his latest book, The Power of Self-Healing, Unlock Your Natural Healing Potential in 21 Days. It's only three weeks. Give it a shot, folks. Check out the book, The Power of Self-Healing. Dr. Fab Mancini, longtime friend. Great to see you. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you both for having me. All right, and we're going to be back with more of Leading the Way in our Insight segment with Jay Jamrog right after this. Leading the Way. 
It's about influential leaders and the business practices leading companies use to impact market performance. That's what the Institute for Corporate Productivity, or I4CP, does on a daily basis. We work with leading companies, from Amazon to Boeing, and REI to 3M, to not only discover the best people practices of high-performance organizations, but the next practices, those that will define market leadership in the years ahead. Senior HR, learning, talent, and diversity executives from many of the most respected companies in the world rely on I4CP to ensure that their efforts will make the greatest impact on the business. After all, it's difficult to stay ahead by only looking behind. I4CP's focus on next practices is what today's top companies rely on to lead the way. I4CP, Institute for Corporate Productivity, leading the way every single day. Welcome back to Leading the Way. Here are your hosts, Scott Murray and Angel Carlton. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Leading the Way. It is time now for the I4CP Insights segment with the I4CP co-founder and futurist, Mr. Jay Jamrog. Welcome, Jay. Hello, Jay. Good afternoon, Scott and Angel. How are you doing? Well, we're doing great, fine. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Great, great. You know, I tell you what, when we listened to Dr. Fab, I, I, I told Angel, made me think of the... Uh, the incredible conference that you held, uh, you know, back in April that you do March. each and every year, yeah. or March. Was it March? Mm -hmm. My gosh. Long time. Yeah. Time and time flies. But uh, it, it made me think of uh, some of the great speakers that you had uh, at, at your conference, uh, you know, your annual uh, get-together for I4CP. I thought he was super. Yeah. yeah, you know, Scott, I mean, you nailed it uh, right in the beginning when you said that uh, you, you heard this at your year in your mother's lap. I mean, a lot of his advice is just so logical and uh, and the same thing we have at our conference every year. We get tremendous speakers, and you, you come away with such insight. But a lot of times I'll sit back and say, I wish I had thought of that. That is very <laughs> natural. That's very logical. Why didn't I come up with it? Yeah, and so it's, true. You know, it, but it is. It's, you know, Dr. Fab, he talks about things that – about being human and uh, what it's like to be a good human being. Yes, yeah, he definitely uh, has that <laughs> to share and so much more. He's very inspiring. Uh, we had a, a great day yesterday uh, at his all-day workshop. It was very cool. Sure. Yeah. So, yep, he, and he speaks a lot about life transformation, leadership. So what are your thoughts uh, when you were listening to Dr. Fab talk about leadership and the, the principles that he shared, and how does that compare to the principles of leadership of high-performing organizations? Yeah, so it, it you know it very much mir mirrors what we say. You know, he when he talks about leadership, uh, what we found when we did our numerous studies on leadership, and whether it's global leadership, global minded, or what the uh, attributes of a successful leader are, it's more of the softer skills when it comes down to those that are very correlated with market performance and leadership effectiveness, not the harder skills like project management or communication or strategy. And he talked about leading by example and put the customer first and your value should be the company's values. Very soft things. Um, it's easy to learn hard skills. It's hard to keep those soft skills like, uh, you know, building trust with your employees, uh, collaboration skills, influencing others, and really having an impact. But, uh, you know, very basic soft skills kinds of things that we found in our research too that are highly correlated with leadership effectiveness. Well, as a result of what you just shared with us, just 
just there, uh, Jay, let me ask you this then. What's the importance of a value system and how organizations instilling these values, how are they doing that so that employees say, you know what, I'm going to buy into that. I'm going to embrace that. I'll buy that. Yeah, Scott, that's a, that's a, that's a really good one because values, it takes a long time to build values into the culture, especially if they're, you know, the, the values you're going to have a purpose around. It's easier when you have an external purpose, like a non-for-profit, a hospital, a uh, NGO. It's very hard when you have a uh, for-profit company where your values are more than just making money. Making money is important. As he said, you have to have even a non-for-profit, you have to have a profit or we call it a reserve. But beyond that, what are the values? Now, it takes a long time to really build them, but they can be dead overnight. If you don't live by that, you, you don't lead by that example. And he talked about that. Is uh, you know your your values should be the values of the company, and have to lead by example. But they can die overnight. One of the big values we're seeing that is so important today, and it's so for, uh, uh, correlated with leadership effectiveness, is building trust. And that's leaders at all levels of the organization. How do you build trust in the employees, especially when you're a big organization? It's very hard to do, but it's easy to kill very fast. Um, so it's it's a tough tough road. You got to lead by example, like uh, Dr. Fab said. Yeah. You know, you know, and I think your your point about trust, uh, I think you're spot on. And you talk about corporate America, but but <laughs> you stop and think about it for Pete's sake. Being transparent and trusting uh, and being kind, boy, what, couldn't our whole world, our whole culture, use a little of that? I mean, it, it just fits into everything that we do, not just in corporate America. You know, it really I, am, I, do, I don't want to get long-winded, but every time, so, so certain times in human history, we go through these vast changes where trust is really eroded in all of our institutions, and it's easier to fear than to love. And what we have is most of our institutions, like other times in history where it's happened, our basic institutions, we've lost trust in our basic institutions, and now we've got to build them back up again. And... Uh, like I say, it's hard to build them back up, but it's very easy to destroy them. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, and you know, and Dr. Fab talked a lot yesterday about the fears that keep us, that prevent us from reaching our potential. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's that applies in life as well. So, interesting. Well, it, it, you know, Angel, you're so true, because it's easy to uh, appeal to the weaker instincts in human nature, and that is to fear somebody maybe taking something from you or maybe getting something that you don't have or the government may be spending it wrong. You just It's easier to fear than to love. Hmm, isn't that interesting? That's our default. That's pretty sad. <laughs> we have to and change that. Make, that. <laughs> and that makes, us, that makes us sick, too. I mean, yeah. he's absolutely right. That will, yeah. you, you, if, you, if you just hang on to those fears and fearing people, You'll end up being a very sick puppy. Yeah, well, that makes Dr. Fab's work and the work of I4CP so vitally important in this world. Well, let's get to the next question here I have for you. And and if you recall, last week we talked about the uh, the benefits uh, that companies are offering to people and how beneficial for, for men would it be to become better fathers to have that yes. benefit and that impact their work performance. And today we're talking about the importance of making health a priority in the workplace. So what are some companies doing today for creating that wellness culture for their employees? Yeah, you know, and he hit upon a number of different things. One is to uh, 
you know, you'd have to have basic needs covered with healthcare. And we were starting, many industrialized countries uh, have actually taken that away from corporations and made it a national right for everybody to have access to their base, covering their basic healthcare needs. In the United States, we have been going through this struggle of, is it a government's job? Is it a corporation's job? Is it the individual's job? Who is it to have basic needs? So I think basic needs are important. And then looking at the health. But I'll, I'll mention one other thing that I think, I think Dr. Fab would agree with this if we asked him. I think having a development culture in a company is providing health. So providing a way so that leaders are teachers, managers are developers of talent, individuals are continually having individual development plans. And as part of the value of the company, where you're continuing to invest in your workforce. If you invest in me, I'm going to invest in you. And I think once you're developing yourself and you see a future, and as Dr. Fab said, a purpose higher than yourself in it, and that's all about developing yourself, I think you'd be also become a healthier person too. So he mentioned a lot of things. I would just throw in having a development culture. Let me ask you this. Uh just as, as, as we head down the home stretch here, Jay, it's, it's, it's always fun to listen to, to all the, the wisdom that you share with us. Here's one for you on this. Your thoughts on happiness. We just talked about being kind. We mm. talked about trust and transparency and that type of thing. What about, what about uh, being happy or, or having purpose? My, he, you know, he talked about that over and over and over uh, yesterday, Correct. today. I just, uh, what comes to mind? Well, this word purpose is coming up a lot. We first heard about it when we were studying uh, young people and what companies they wanted to work for. And companies that had a purpose had a natural draw for them because they wanted to work for a company that meant more than just a paycheck, that there was a purpose with working for that company. And that made people happy. But we're seeing it a lot now, both individual purpose, purpose in your job, purpose in your work. We have, you know, and we tend to forget that a, there's a lot of people out there who have jobs at the lower end of a corporation, and they're not making a lot of money, and it's a drag to come to work every single day. And I think we forget that, you know, we tend to focus on the professionals, the engineers, the tech people, all these other people who have degrees and have higher purpose in their profession. But we forget there's a lot of people in corporate America who, you know, it's it's a drag to come to work. Yeah, it's a great point you bring up. You know, you're so spot on. People don't talk about that much. You do. You're right. Correct. You talk about the upper upper echelon, but nobody talks about the guy that's got to get his lunchbox together and go, oh, God, I got to go, go do this again. You know. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's and he's working point. for an SMB boss. <laughs> so, you know, it's um, if we could focus more on the total corporation and not just the top tier or the professionals or people with degrees, but the total corporation. And I think this culture of development, and we've done studies on uh, how we can get frontline workers more, uh, you know, upskilling their work. And it, it pays off big time for the corporation, but it also pays off for the individual. They see more of a purpose in their life. They're happier with their life. They, can, they see a bigger paycheck in the future. Uh, they're happier when they go home because the company they work for, maybe they have a lousy job now, but there's a future here because they're investing in me. Hmm. Yeah, and so how do people align? They may have a personal passion uh, or, or purpose outside of work. 
but they have to sure. go and, and get a paycheck every week. And this may not be sure. their dream job, but uh, we have about a minute left, if that. But how can people align their life purpose and something they're passionate about with, with their day-to-day job? So it's an interesting question because that comes up every once in a while, especially when I talk about a development culture. So when you're talking about a development culture, are you thinking about just today and your occupation, or are you thinking about the total human being? So there may be they're doing something outside the work. What can I do as a boss? If you report to me, Angel, and you said, I have this thing that I volunteer for. Well, how can I help you do that? Do you need some extra time off? Do you want me to schedule your time differently? Uh, is it something we as a company can get involved in? You know, our company embraced uh, Madeline mm-hmm. and uh, the, the Best Buddies. That's our passion. And we embraced it as a company and made it easier for her to work on that passion. But we also embraced it, too. A manager can do that with employees. Mm, that's a great and point. So I think it yeah. can be done. It's not easy, of course, but... Nothing right. worth doing is easy. But again, that coaching culture and learning the uh, passion of your employees and then, you know, taking yep. it on a case-by-case basis. J.J. Yeah. Rog, always a pleasure, my friend. We can't All thank right, you Scott. enough. It's always great. Right. And uh, you realize the 1st of July is next Sunday. Where is the year going, I huh? Hear you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I hear you. All right. Well, we'll look forward to hearing you on the 1st of July. And in the meantime, right. Okay. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you, Jay. Jay Jamrog, uh, always a just so insightful when we uh, talk about our insight segment. That's why we call it that, right? <laughs> so, for this edition of uh, Leading the Way, till next Sunday, I'm Scott Murray. And I'm Angel Carlton. And as we always remind you, live your legacy by leading the way. Till next week, have a great week, everybody.